Hi guys and welcome back to another true crime and makeup time video. Today's case is truly so horrific and so vile. Picture this, three years after a crime takes place, a mysterious USB lands in the hands of an elderly woman with no recollection of how this landed in her possession. On this USB, the most shocking images and videos, evidence of this crime being committed. Today we're going to be talking about an Australian case, one that takes place in 2016 and before we even begin, this case deals with SA. I would say it's a case where the victims are extremely violated in a disgusting, deplorable manner. So trigger warning at the outset. Before we jump in, if you're new here, my name is Zara and I post a new true crime video every single week. So if you want to see more, make sure to leave me a comment down below saying hi and subscribe guys. It would mean so much to me. We're going to be talking about Michelle Lang today and this case has always been in the back of my mind and I think it's because the media kind of got your attention with this case because they always used the fact that she was found in a blowhole and I was like, what is a blowhole? It was, it was a weird, weird headlines, but I took a deep dive into this case, a deep, deep dive. And I read court documents and I just read so many articles about it and the court documents, guys, it's, and the perpetrator in this case, I feel like is one of the worst I've ever read about, if I can even say that. I feel like he just played a lot of games with the people around him, with their lives. And I think you guys are gonna find this one crazy. Speaking of games, I wanted to thank today's sponsor, Toon Blast. Toon Blast is a free mobile game where you create combos and blast cubes to solve puzzles. The game is so easy to play and they have over 7,000 levels with cute characters and the graphics are great and the animations are so smooth and each level is so well-designed, colorful, and detailed. Now you can join a team and play with other people. And the more your team plays, the more rewards you unlock, like more lives and more coins. You can compete with other players and teams around the world in challenging events to win prizes. Look, this is what it's like to be number one. <laughs> the best part is you don't need Wi-Fi, which means you can play whenever you want, wherever you want and there are no ads to interrupt you while you play. There are so many challenging mini games that are so fun too. I love to play this game when I'm waiting for dinner to be ready or waiting for my nails to dry because I find it keeps me interested. It keeps my energy levels up and it's just so much fun. Okay, so now I just got a rainbow sphere as my daily bonus. And just so you know, that's like the best you can get. It really is so much fun. And there's a reason why it has millions of reviews and high ratings on the App Store and Google Play Store. You can download Toon Blast for free guys by clicking the link in my description box down below or in the pinned comment, or you can scan the QR code on the screen. Use my link and you will get three hours of unlimited lives and a hundred free coins. Thank you so much to Toon Blast for sponsoring today's video. And thank you so much, my beautiful friends, for all your continued support. So let's talk about Michelle Lang. Now, Michelle Lang, her full name was Meng Mei Lang, and she was more commonly known by her middle name, Michelle. And I'm not sure if it was her middle name or if it was her English name. So we'll just refer to her as Michelle from now on. She was born in Chengdu, Sichuan in the year 1991, and she attended the Chengdu Yulin Middle School. 
Towards the end of her schooling in the year 2008, actually her last year of schooling, her father passed away. And I believe he passed away during the Wenchuan earthquake. And Michelle really struggled with his death. I mean, like most kids would. But she had to deal with her father's death during, you know, the last years of her schooling. And she had to take her college entrance exam around this time. And according to one of her friends, during this exam, she was taking it while she was in tears. But despite this, she was accepted into a college, the Jin Cheng College of Sichuan University, and she undertook a broadcasting and hosting course. Michelle and her mom, Mei Zhang, were extremely close, and they really depended on each other, especially after her father's death. But a couple of years later, in the year 2011, Michelle would leave China to come to Australia to pursue her studies. In 2011, Michelle attended the University of Technology in Sydney, where she studied economics and hospitality management. Her mom would say that Michelle had always dreamed of coming to Australia and that she was a really kind and understanding girl. One of the reasons why Michelle's mom even allowed Michelle to move to Australia was because her aunt and her cousin lived here in Sydney. And I'm not going to disclose their names. I'm just going to refer to the aunt as the aunt and then the cousin as the cousin because I found multiple different names for them. But then at the same time, I feel like they don't really want to be associated with this case. So I'm just going to refer to them aunt and the cousin. So when Michelle moved to Sydney, she moved in with her aunt, her aunt's boyfriend, husband, and her cousin who was 18. So soon after Michelle moved in 2012, her aunt would marry her boyfriend, her aunt's boyfriend, Derek, who was 22 and her aunt was 43 at the time and Michelle went to this wedding. One piece of information that I found interesting, but I'm not sure if is 100% accurate or whether I translated it correctly because this was from Chinese translated pages, but it was that Initially, when Michelle moved in with her aunt, they lived in the aunt's rented apartment. Then I read that Michelle's mom actually contributed financially to the aunt and Derek's wedding. And then after they got married, due to Michelle's desire to actually stay in Sydney, find a job after she finished her degree, her mom actually bought them an apartment. So her mom, Mei Zhang, allegedly bought this apartment in Campsie Town, which is very close to Sydney's CBD. It's like 11 kilometers or 6.8 miles away from the city. And they either bought this apartment in 2012 after they got married or in 2014. But either way, whenever they moved to this new apartment in Campsie Town, her mom, Mei Zhang, came down from China to help them all move. Michelle's mom, Mei Zhang, would state that she was thinking of Michelle's future and it's just their tradition, the way that they choose to live like one big family. So according to her, it made sense for all of them to just live in this apartment together. So it's confirmed that they did live together, but I'm just not sure if her mom was the one that actually paid for this new apartment. But to me, it seems like this could be true because it's not uncommon for families to live together. And especially if Michelle is living with her aunt, either rent-free or you know, paying for her groceries and things like that makes sense for Michelle's mom to actually contribute some way because they're looking after her daughter. Could be her way of saying thank you for looking after her niece. So a little bit about Michelle. Like I said before, she was very kind. She was caring and she loved to cook. 
She also really loved beauty and she would share a lot of beauty videos on the Chinese app Weibo. She would post a ton of selfies and she would post a ton of pictures of her adventures around Sydney and she would always chat to her family and post about how much she missed her hometown and especially her mom's cooking. Who doesn't miss their mom's cooking? I mean, mom, send me some food, dang. You guys, if you hear any like construction, it's because there's construction going on like that. And but anyway, so Michelle would post a lot on social media and she also really got along well with her aunt, her her uncle, you know, and her cousin. She would share a lot of pictures of them together, especially on like public holidays or Christmas, things like that. In 2015, Michelle, together with her aunt, her uncle, and her cousin, they actually traveled back to Chengdu for a family vacation. I also read that Michelle's mom funded this vacation too, but I'm not sure if this is true. So a little bit about her aunt and her uncle Derek, apart from the fact they had this huge age gap of 20 plus years. Derek, he used to work in the IT industry, but after he married Michelle's aunt, he remained unemployed and Michelle's aunt worked, not exactly sure what her job was, but she worked in Wollongong, which is a town that's pretty far away from Sydney. It's like a hundred kilometers away, 62-ish miles, and it takes about an hour and a half each way. And again, I don't know exactly what her job is, but she would sometimes be required to work for a couple days at a time or a few days at a time. So basically she would not be at home for a few days at a time. And due to this, Michelle, she would take on some of the household responsibilities. She would cook and clean and look after her younger cousin as well, who was only a couple years really younger than her, but she would refer to Michelle as her second mom. In 2015, Michelle graduated her course in hospitality management. And in 2016, she began studying a translation course in Sydney's CBD. Sounds like I'm saying CBD like weed, but CBD is central business district or something like that. So it's like our city. Now, Michelle was clearly a hard worker. She had goals and she was ambitious in her career. She was busy in her plans for the future. She was young. She was just living her life. And as any person in their 20s would, she was hanging out with her friends, going shopping and just living. And on Thursday, 21st April, 2016, Michelle was doing exactly that. She was meeting some of her friends and planning to go shopping. I'm not sure if Michelle studied that day, given it was a Thursday, but she met some friends for lunch and then she parted ways with a friend outside of her university at the bus terminal. This was around 3 p.m. that day. And then she goes on to wait for a bus just outside of the university's main building. And she planned to head on over to Myers, which is a huge department store here in Australia. This Myers was located inside the Pitt Street Mall, which is a massive outdoor shopping mall. So there were a ton of CCTV cameras everywhere. Michelle was captured on these CCTV cameras and she went shopping at Myers. That's why she's holding a little Myers shopping bag. She gets a drink from Boost Juice and she seems fine. She seems busy. She seems like she's just enjoying her day. After Michelle was done, she takes the train from St. James Station to Campsie, where she lived, and she arrives at Campsie Station at about 4.30 p.m. where it is assumed she makes her way to her apartment. 
At this time, it was just Michelle and her Uncle Derek that would be at home because her aunt had gone away to Wollongong for work and she was gonna be away for a few days from the 21st of April till the 26th of April. Her cousin had been out all day this Thursday and she was also going to be staying at a friend's house later on that night. Later on that day, Michelle made a few phone calls, I believe somewhere to friends. And then the last phone call she made was at 10 p.m. that night where she spoke to her aunt. And then after this, she sends a text message to one of her teachers at around midnight, which is quite late to text a teacher, but this text message exchange was basically this teacher telling Michelle that she was promising to make Michelle her assistant in the future. And after this, no one hears from Michelle again. Now information for the next few parts is quite mixed, but what I gather from the information I believe this is what allegedly takes place over the next few days. So her aunt was away at work, right? And then I believe her cousin, she spent that night away, the Thursday away, but then she would return home for a period of time during the weekend only to just go out and spend the night away again with her friends. In terms of her uncle Derek, he watched a lot of TV and played a lot of video games. And you know how gamers can be, they play into the early hours of the morning. And I mean, if you're unemployed, you don't really have a reason to wake up in the morning. Your stepdaughter is old enough to take care of herself. So he would just really watch TV, play all night and wake up late in the morning, he would sleep in. Now, after no one heard from Michelle since that Thursday, he didn't really think anything of it. He didn't think about not hearing from Michelle as or being a reason to worry. And most of the time he was like, okay, well at night when he was playing games or watching TV, he was like, oh, she's sleeping in her room. And then during the day he was asleep. So he thought she was just with her friends or at uni. And because he was asleep for much of the mornings, he wouldn't know what time Michelle left, where she was even going. And because of this, he didn't really worry. He didn't have any reason to, but after a couple of days of not seeing and hearing from Michelle, he did text her and ask her if she was okay but he didn't hear back from her. On Sunday, 24th April, 2016, around 10 p.m., Derek gets in his car and he goes down to the station to pick up his wife. She had just returned home from her work trip. Now, at this point, it had been three days since Michelle was last seen. So she was last seen on Thursday night. So that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So three days, no one had seen Michelle. So when her aunt returned home into the apartment, she looks for Michelle and she asks Derek, Where's Michelle? Have you seen her? I've been trying to contact her since Thursday. She tells Derek that Michelle has not been responding to any of her calls or her text messages. And Derek was like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't know where Michelle is. I've also sent her a text and she hasn't been responding to me either. He then tells his wife, you know, I haven't seen her in a couple of days either. Now they both begin to panic. They're like, wait, hold on, something's wrong. So they search her room, they go through her computer, her social media, just trying to find clues of what she did last. The weird thing is they don't report Michelle missing until the next day, Monday, 27th April. Now, at first I was kind of like, okay, that is so weird. Why would you not report her missing straight away? But then I think if you're Derek and you're like, well, I've kind of just been like sleeping all day and like staying up all night. What if she has been here and I just haven't noticed? So maybe that's why they waited until the next day. Maybe they were like, we'll wait one more night. And if she doesn't show up, you know, tonight, then we'll go to the police tomorrow. So they go to the police station, they report Michelle as missing and they tell the police that, you know, we, the last time we saw her was 21st 
of April on that Thursday and we've been trying to contact her with no luck. They tell police this is so unlike Michelle. She is not someone to just go off the radar. Like she doesn't even go anywhere without telling them. It's just not like her. She's a super responsible girl. They said Michelle had never stayed overnight anywhere since she began living with them. And also when she went out, she would wear this coat. And the coat that she normally wears or would wear was still in her room, so it wasn't missing. And she also always took an umbrella whenever she went out. Michelle didn't like the sun and this umbrella was not you know, missing from her room either. And her Metro card to access public transport was also not used. And then on top of that, Michelle can't drive. So it's not like she drove anywhere by herself. Following this, I believe Michelle's mom was also informed of Michelle's disappearance. And soon after this, Michelle's name was all over Chinese social media because I believe a family member posted about her disappearance, hoping to find some help. Her picture was being shared everywhere. Word had been spread in the local community to be on the lookout for Michelle, as well as her family. They circulated a missing persons report on social media, especially Weibo, because they wanted the local Chinese community to be on the lookout for Michelle. Then rumors began spreading online that Michelle was actually dead and that her body had been found. Her family was extremely upset by this and they made a statement telling the public to stop speculating without evidence and to not give up hope because Michelle could still be alive. A couple days prior on 24th April 2016 at around 10.30 a.m., a hiker was hiking along the Snapper Point Beach, which is a beautiful beach with amazing views and really cool lookouts. And this person was near the Snapper Point Cave, which has the Fraser Blowhole. Now this area that she was in is actually quite a dangerous area um, and a few people have actually lost their lives due to the slippery rocks and at times this area can be quite secluded and as this person she stopped she was looking out into the sea and then she looks down and into the blowhole and she sees something floating. So she's wondering what it is and she you know looks closer and she focuses on it and then she realizes it's a body wrapped in a plastic bag. She immediately calls the police. Now, police were able to recover the body, but they weren't able to identify the body. So they put out a composite sketch of the victim. They state that it's an Asian woman. She's 20 to 30 years old. She's around 170 centimeters tall with short black hair. Now, at first they thought it was just, you know, another accident in this area. It was prone to accidents. Someone had slipped someone had fallen. But when they examined this body, they found that there were no signs of rock impact. Instead, the victim had a number of stab wounds and other injuries, and they ruled it as foul play. They also concluded that the blowhole was not the actual scene of the crime where the victim was attacked, that she was attacked somewhere else and dumped here to conceal the crime. They urged anyone with information to come forward. Now, it was this composite sketch that was released that made netizens believe that this, in fact, was Michelle. Now, I guess putting two and two together and the fact that Derek and his wife had filed a missing persons report and the fact that the police believed that Michelle matched Jane Doe's description. And due to this, they came and visited Derek and the aunt at their apartment on 26th April 2016. So they informed Derek and the aunt of this body that was found in the blowhole a few days prior and whether they could conduct a DNA test to rule out Michelle. 
So to do this, they took away Michelle's toothbrush, collected some hair, some other personal items, and they also took away Michelle's computer. It has also been reported that Derek and the aunt actually knew about this body that was found in the blowhole a couple days prior, and that is the reason why they went down to the police station on that Monday in the first place. Then Derek tells the police that he knew Michelle had begun online dating and she was meeting someone online. And could this online love interest have done something to Michelle? You know, very strange, a strange comment to make. Then the last time that anyone had actually seen Michelle was Derek. And the police just found it weird that Derek lived with Michelle and he didn't notice whether she was coming or going. Like he was that unaware. It just seemed strange. And then to further get into this online love interest story, Derek then tells police further information. And I believe the aunt also gave this information too. They said that they had checked Michelle's Facebook when they were looking for her and they were aware that she was dating an Australian boy that she met on Facebook. They go on to say it looks like Michelle and this Australian boy had been dating for around two months. And she says that the boy was white, his eyes looked fierce, and his face is not good. The aunt says that she believes that this boy, he lived in Wollongong, and that if he did something bad to Michelle, Michelle would resist because she had not had sex before. Derek then goes on to tell the police that Michelle had recently begun partying a lot. She began going out to clubs, began drinking a lot, and began using online dating apps to meet strangers. But to those people that knew Michelle, that seemed really really unlikely. So the police asked Derek, okay, well, what happened the last time you saw Michelle? Because you were the last one to see her. And he says the last time he saw her, they had dinner together. They watched a movie. And then at around midnight, Michelle went to bed. He kind of rambled a little bit on and on about how he couldn't believe that was the last time he had seen Michelle. And he kind of repeated his story a couple times. A few days later on Friday, 29th, April, 2016 the DNA results were in and it was now confirmed that Jane Doe was in fact Michelle Ling. Michelle's mother was distraught and she immediately flew down to Sydney. Police continued to investigate while Michelle's family grieved. So I believe Derek was questioned once again and the police tell him that they believe that Michelle was murdered and Derek responds with, well, we thought that for a couple days at least. They ask him again, what happened the last time you saw Michelle? And he repeats the same story, but then he kind of throws in a little new piece of information saying that, you know, I think I kind of went out to dinner and saw a female friend early on 24th April. So he never mentioned this female friend and going out to dinner with her any other time. But now he states that he kind of remembers going out to dinner on 24th April, which was two, no, the night before he picked up his wife from her work trip. So as the police are investigating this, they check the CCTV cameras of the surrounding area and they notice a suspicious looking white sedan entering Lake Monmora National Park just after 7 a.m. on April 24th, 2016. This happened to be four hours before Michelle's body would be discovered in that blowhole. According to the police and their comparisons, that car belonged to Michelle's uncle, Derek. 
Derek's phone also pinged near where Michelle's body was found. When Derek was questioned by the police, he denied even being around the Snapper Point area, as well as denied the image of the sedan being his car. And the image was kind of blurry, so that's why he denied it. And he also said he had never been to the blowhole. He didn't even know where it was. Then the police find CCTV footage of Derek buying drinks at a gas station near the Snapper Point area. I mean, look at the footage. You can't, you can't deny that's not him. Then two witnesses came forward and they stated that on the morning that Michelle's body was found, they saw Derek near the blowhole at the very top and he had warned them to step back because the area was dangerous. They further claimed that when Derek left, they came forward and they scoped the area, but they didn't find anything suspicious. Then further evidence puts Derek in the Snapper Point area because it was found that he had actually visited his parents' house that day. Now his parents lived in the town of Guanilin and that was like 13 kilometers away from the blowhole. 13 kilometers, what's that? Like a 20, 30 minute drive? That means he grew up near the blowhole. That means he knew this area well. Following this, the police quickly applied for a search warrant to search their campsy apartment as well as seize Derek's phone. Now, obviously, a lot of stuff was deleted off this phone, but experts were able to recover some of the deleted data. And what they found, guys, was absolutely horrifying. On 29th April 2016, Derek Barrett was arrested for the murder of his niece, Michelle Lang. Now, before we move on to the trial, we have to talk about what happened and I just sometimes wish we didn't, but this case and these types of cases are so bad. It's important to bring awareness to them. And I found that attacks on women in general, yeah, are bad, but it seems like in particular against Asian women is quite common. And a lot of cases actually came to my attention when I was researching this case where Asian women are fetishized by certain men and this can end in violent attacks and deaths. So to begin talking about Derek, it's claimed that the marriage between him and Michelle's aunt was a marriage of convenience and not really for love. And I feel like we can't really judge that, but given their 20 year age gap, a lot of people have claimed this. They claim that the aunt was wanting Australian citizenship through this marriage. And I mean, what is the perk for Derek? What does he get out of this? And people have claimed that he didn't have to work, that his wife would take care of him. Derek was not blood related to Michelle or his stepdaughter, and he was attracted to the both of them. It is alleged that he had admitted this attraction to Michelle, to his wife. So he told his wife that he was attracted to Michelle and Michelle was also closer in age to Derek. Derek was 27, I believe, and Michelle was 25. He lived with Michelle. He saw her daily for years. When Michelle came into his life, Derek began having sexual fantasies about Michelle and he wanted to have sex with her and he would admit this to the court later on. So what did he choose to do with this attraction? He did something so violating, something that we hear about way too often. He installed secret cameras 
in private areas of their home, the home that he shared with his family, so he could record his young stepdaughter and his niece. On Derek's phone, the police found multiple videos, and I'm gonna just read you what he did in these videos. In September 2014, Derek left his mobile phone in the apartment's shared bathroom while it was video recording. His stepdaughter soon came into the bathroom and got undressed to take a shower. His phone recorded her entire shower, the recording lasting 14 minutes and 56 seconds. On 12th December 2015, Derek entered his stepdaughter's bedroom and filmed her sleeping in her bed as he stood over her gratifying himself. Towards the end of the video, he appears to flick fluid from his fingers onto his stepdaughter's clothes. On 15th January 2016, Derek once again left his phone recording in the shared bathroom, this time filming Michelle as she took a shower, and this recording was a little over 33 minutes. On 27th January 2016, he came into Michelle's bedroom as she slept, filmed her sleeping, moving the camera parts over parts. On 27th January 2016, he came into Michelle's bedroom as she slept, filmed her sleeping, moving the camera over parts of her body, then films his erect penis, gratified himself once again, and this time he finished on camera. On 13th February 2016, he did the exact same thing once again. I mean, I don't have to repeat that to you guys. He did the same thing. I mean, violated is an understatement. <laughs> the audacity, the depravity. And we don't know if these recordings were taken as his wife, the aunt was at home, outside of the apartment. I mean, they were just taken on his phone, his regular old cell phone. And they were only deleted recently once her body was found. I mean, damn. And through this, it was soon discovered that Derek was obviously obsessed with Michelle. And what do these cases usually show us? Usually, you know, these obsessions where a person is filming someone, taking photos, using content of his victims to satisfy himself. I mean, it usually never stops there. And in this case too, it didn't. The court notes detail what happened on the last night that Michelle was seen as this horrific encounter was also recorded on Derek's phone. That Thursday night when Michelle went to bed at around midnight, that is when Derek allegedly attacked her. Sometime after midnight and before 8.37 a.m. the next morning, the Friday morning, Derek had bound Michelle, tied her hands behind her back, gagged her and covered her mouth with duct tape. He took photos of this, there were 13 photos, and one of the photos is a close-up of Michelle's face, and it shows her bound, gagged, and it shows in her eyes how terrified she was. The other photos focused on her private areas, her breasts and close-up of her genitals. The judge concluded that Derek would have forced Michelle's body into positions where he could take photos of her private areas. The next morning, Friday 22nd April, the last photo of Michelle was taken at 8.39 a.m. And sometime between that last photo and 3.19 a.m. on Sunday, 24th April, that was the time that Derek finally left his apartment, he killed Michelle by stabbing her to death. It is assumed that up until that point, he was just torturing her 
for that entire period. Now the injuries on Michelle show and tell a story of what a vicious attack Michelle endured and that she actually fought Derek back. Her autopsy showed 31 stab wounds, numerous blunt force injuries, defensive wounds, and the final blow, which was a knife wound to her throat. Although that neck wound was determined to be the one that finally ended her life, the amount of blood loss that she would have suffered through all the stab wounds, I mean, that also would have contributed towards her, de her death. And the blunt force injuries on her body, they believe that this occurred after her death, most likely in the way that Derek chose to dispose of her body. And I mean, you guys have seen the picture of that blowhole. That's not gonna be an easy fall. After Derek killed Michelle, he takes her body, leaves the apartment, 3.19 a.m. that Sunday morning. He puts Michelle in the trunk of his car, drives to that petrol station, the gas station, at about 3.37 a.m. You know, he bought a couple of drinks. He was thirsty. He then drives to Lake Munmora National Park. He goes up to the Snapper Point Cave, to the Fraser Blowhole takes Michelle's body out of the trunk of his car. He had wrapped her in black plastic at this point. He carries Michelle's body to the edge of the cliff, steps over the safety rail and throws Michelle's body 20 to 30 meters down into the blowhole, the water below. Then at around 9.19 a.m., there are images on Derek's phone. He takes like seven pictures of the cliff and the waters down below. I feel like he was waiting to see if her body was gonna bounce back up. You know what's the creepiest part, right? So the afternoon of 23rd of April, the day before he disposed of Michelle's body, he had been keeping her like captive at two days at this point. He's doing whatever he's doing to poor Michelle. And as he's doing this, he hears the sound of keys turning in the apartment front door lock. And it was his stepdaughter. She was returning home from her sleepover and her nights, you know, away. And she enters the apartment. She's in the apartment for around three hours. And during which this time, she states that Derek spent the entire time in the bathroom. And, you know, he kept the shower running the entire time. And the only time he left the bathroom was when he ran to his bedroom halfway quickly and then he runs back to the bathroom shuts the door again after a couple of hours she knocks on the bathroom door as she needed shampoo she was about to take a shower and I guess she uses the other bathroom but Derek opens the door like the tiniest bit tiniest bit and he passes her the shampoo and he tells her oh you know the bathroom smells really bad so just use the other bathroom and it's speculated that Derek had Michelle inside this bathroom the entire time and after this, the stepdaughter, she, Michelle's cousin, she leaves the apartment once again to be with her friends or wherever she was going. And what's terrifying is, was Michelle alive? Was she just severely injured and still alive? You know, and it's... And, and the stepdaughter could have been next if she saw Michelle. If she happened to just peek through, you know, when he opened the door and then she saw Michelle, she could have been next. So later then when 
Michelle's aunt, she comes back from the work trip, she does tell police that she noticed that the apartment was exceptionally clean and that she noticed that Michelle's bed sheets were freshly washed, but she thought that was unusual, but she just brushed it off. And again, what's strange about that is that she normally did the laundry and some bath towels were missing from the linen closet, as well as a roll of black duct tape and a suitcase was also missing from the apartment, but she still brushed all of this off. And damn, I feel like, I feel like sometimes we know, like we have an idea, our gut tells us, but it's too hard to bear and we can't cope with what the answer might mean. Now, great job on the police's part for piecing together all the bits of the puzzle so quickly because I mean, they arrested Derek like less than 10 days after Michelle went missing. During the trial, Derek had admitted that he had sexual fantasies about his niece, Michelle, and that he used to fantasize about her and this led him to installing pinhole cameras on the in the shared bathrooms in the family home. So he used his phone sometimes, he would place his phone in inconspicuous locations, but he also physically like went and got little spy cameras and used them too. He admitted that he would often sneak into Michelle and his stepdaughter's bedrooms at night while they were sleeping and film them and pleasure himself while doing so. He also stated that he knew his wife and his stepdaughter would be away the weekend that he attacked Michelle. However, he denied that he committed any SA on Michelle and there was no proof that he did. All they had were the photos of Michelle bound and gagged. And I mean, really, really Derek? Now, in terms of why Derek actually killed Michelle, he claims he was under the influence of heavy drugs at the time and he doesn't remember what happened. He doesn't remember. And he wasn't actually in control of his behavior at that point. So let's talk about Derek, quick backstory. So he was 27 around that time. He had no prior criminal history. He claims he had an unhappy childhood. He was bullied and teased and at school and he felt socially isolated. He kind of stayed unpopular amongst his peers and he dived into computers. He became very interested in computers. His parents separated when he was a teenager and his mother later remarried. He left school before finishing year 10 and he completed his studies through a TAFE course. He studied IT at TAFE and after this he remained employed in IT in like IT work until October 2015 when he when he quit and then he remained unemployed ever since. So I guess he wasn't unemployed as soon as they were married. He kept a job for a couple of years and then he was unemployed. He had two relationships prior to 2012 when he married his wife, the aunt, and initially she wanted to have kids with him. That's what they agreed on. But then she changed her mind because she was older. And this led to him feeling rejected. So because he was feeling rejected, he began using um, the services of 
sex workers. He then also began using a lot of drugs. He started using a lot of ice and because of ice, he began experiencing a lot of confusion in his life. He then tells police that he was having memory gaps the week the murder took place and he was experiencing blackouts. He claimed to spend thousands of dollars a week on ice and other drugs and he watched a lot of Asian porn. He stated he had taken ice the day Michelle was last seen on Thursday 21st April and after taking the ice he was in an uncontrollable state and he couldn't remember what happened. Derek then claims at one point that he was in a consensual relationship with Michelle as they were both you know of a similar age. He then claimed that her death was the result of a sex game gone wrong that ultimately cost Michelle Lang her life. But during the trial the prosecution didn't believe any of this. They said that Derek had actually used up his meth supply three weeks prior to the attack on Michelle, as well as in the CCTV footage, you know how they found him at the petrol station, the gas station? In that video, he does not seem, you know, to be under any influence. He seems to be actually very calm, very sober. Also, a forensic psychiatrist disputed this fact and stated that if Derek was using meth, first of all, it doesn't actually usually cause memory loss. And if he was actually using the amount he claimed to be using, that his sex drive would actually be diminished. He stated that his acts were most likely driven by a deviant arousal of a violent and sexual nature. Michelle's family, including her aunt and her cousin, Derek's stepdaughter, gave victim impact statements. And Michelle's aunt just felt deeply guilty and blamed for what happened because it was her husband that murdered her niece. Derek also gave a statement and I will read it to you. He stated, there's no words, there's no level of words of expression I can give. I can never reverse the actions that I've done, though I would gladly exchange position in the actual situation. I would rather her be here than me. She had a beautiful future ahead of herself. I could only imagine what the family is going through. If I was her, I don't think I could forgive me. I think she is right in her impact statement. I deserve life. I betrayed my own family and hers for my actions. I disgust myself. Now, the judge did not believe Derek's sudden amnesia, you know, in this case, nor that he had true remorse for the crime that he committed. The judge felt that Derek was putting on an act and for Michelle's family, Derek's actions are unforgivable. On 15th December 2017, the New South Wales High Court sentenced Derek Barrett to 46 years in prison. He would be eligible for parole after 34 years and six months. Now, I wish we were done, but we aren't. First, Derek tried to appeal his sentence in 2019 and he failed. But remember that USB I mentioned at the beginning? Well, let's talk about it. So one day in November 2019, a woman, she goes to visit her elderly mother in Strathfield, Sydney, as usual. And on that day, she sees her mom. She's holding a USB flash drive in her hand. And she goes up to her mom and she's like, what is that? And her mom, she had Alzheimer's and she couldn't remember where she got this USB from. So at first her daughter thinks, oh, this is just like a toy. 
and she just holds on to it. But then she decides to put this into the computer and just see what was on it. She opens up the folders. She sees videos. So she clicks on one video and she sees something so shocking. She sees a young Asian woman lying on a bed and she's bound by her hands and her feet. A white man comes into the frame and he assaults the girl while she's pleading for help and then the camera, it falls to the floor and you can't see anything, but you can hear that this girl, she's screaming, you are crazy, you can't do this to me, what are you doing? The horrified lady immediately calls the police. Now this USB holds 13 photographs, nine video files, and it was taken on the 22nd and 23rd of April, 2016. Of the 13 photos that were found on this USB, 11 of them were also found on Derek's phone. Now the strange part about this is that till this day, there is no connection as to this elderly woman and Derek Barrett. No one knows how she got hold of this USB. When I looked it up, Strathfield is 10 minutes away from Campsey. And I was wondering, maybe he dropped it and lost it. But I mean, you're not, you're not that careless with something that holds something like this. So did he throw it away in a panic when, you know, after he killed... Michelle, or when her body was found, did this old lady pick it up somewhere? Did he just, I mean, how else could she have gotten it? But if you don't believe in fate, I mean, this is it. Derek claimed in court that he never essayed Michelle. And it's literally like Michelle of the universe was like, nah, you need to know about this man. Because let me tell you, there is no way in hell I'm gonna go into detail about what was found on that USB what this mother girl did to Michelle. If I'm being honest with you guys, this case is one that truly traumatized me. I mean, I have read so much true crime and there's something about reading exactly what a murderer did to his victim. I mean, the things he does to her by looking at him, the monster that he is, that he pretends not to be, But all I can say is from what is written on those transcript, transcripts, he brutally, he brutally and tortured Michelle and he repeatedly did so. So following this discovery, a new trial emerged where Michelle's mother gave an impact, a victim impact statement, which uh, reads as follows. In September, 2016, Meng Mei's death brought great pain to my whole family and myself. A single mother struggling to support her daughter who was studying in Sydney. My healthy mother did not respond to the news of Meng Mei's death. After a long time, she passed away because of great grief. She passed away in 2019 after the USB was discovered. When the police told me that Meng Mei had been humili humiliatingly and tortured, I almost fell into a faint. No one who is a mother can accept such news. My Meng Mei is such a kind 
sensible, filial, and upright girl. My heart is broken. In the end, Michelle's mother asked the judge to sentence this vicious, vicious torturer and ruthless murderer to life in prison. Now, Derek actually wrote a letter to Michelle's mother in 2020, December 2020. I'll read you a part of it. He says, Every moment of my life, I wish I could go back in time and take back that day that has caused so much pain. I let my own problems spill into the family home and they paid dearly as a result. This moment in my life has kept me awake at night in tears and I still have nightmares. Oh, you do? Shut the fuck up. So long story short, Derek was charged with a further nine counts of sexual offenses, which he pled guilty to all nine. And the judge in the trial stated, I would go so far as to say that had the court known the full extent of the offender's abuse and violation of Miss Lang when sentence was imposed in 2017, a life sentence would have been imposed. That sentence cannot now be imposed. Now, the messed up part is he received for the USB findings um, an additional 20 years to be served, okay? But they are to be served in conjunction with his existing 46-year sentence. Now, this means that his actual sentence doesn't increase, but it sees a modest increase to his non-parole period, which goes up from like 34.5 years to 36.5 years. So he's now not eligible for parole for 36.5 years and he is eligible for parole on 27th April 2053 and I don't think he's getting out I mean this case like imagine Michelle's family Derek could be released when he's like 70 something and you know people argue well you know he can't he's not capable of harming anyone at that age and we don't know that should he should he live a even five years of a normal life how can the sentence for that USB be 20 additional years to be served concurrently? Not even additional, because the judge who had to watch the video, really? That's what sucks about laws and procedures, because minor crimes can get maximum penalties that seem ridiculous, and major crimes' maximum pen penalties are never enough. It's hard, because people argue, well, you know, he's re rehabilitated. There's prison reform but can you be rehabilitated when you're that sadistic the things he did to michelle and these things don't happen by accident or by a loss of control there was blood pouring pouring out of places and he continued to call her names and abuse her just think about that for a second to have the soul to continue to harm someone when you see them in that much distress, when they are in that much pain, you can physically see that you are hurting them to the an unimaginable level, really. You can't come back from that. Can you rehabilitate from that? I can't imagine what the judge, the lawyers, the clerks had to deal with in that case. You know, the second, the, the USB case, the trial for that, I mean, the things they had to watch. Reading the court document, the court document outlines, oh my God, I'm gonna be sick. The court document outlines what he did to her. To think that that happened to Michelle, 
to think that these things happen to these victims. Like I can't even look at the camera because it's this whole case, telling this whole case has been emotional because I, I keep thinking about what I read and I'm not joking. When I got into bed that night after reading that, that transcript of what the USB showed the videos, I genuinely couldn't sleep that night. I, I couldn't stop picturing what he did and what she felt and how she must have felt. And I researched this case two weeks ago and I still can't stop thinking about it. And, you know, I knew about this case, but I had never read the court documents. And this case really has caused like permanent damage on my soul. And I feel like I shouldn't even be saying this because it sounds, you know, dramatic, but I can't imagine the people who are really involved in this case, how they can even move on from this case and how they have to deal with these types of cases on the daily. Now, in a case like this, the issue about the treatment of Asian women does come up. And I know someone will comment and say, well, it's all women. Like, yes, I know that violence against all women in general is too common, right? But add on Asian women and one that is an international student or even just any international student and the probability, you know, gets higher of them being attacked because the stereotypes that are placed on Asian women and the way that they are fetishized. Michelle had family here, you know, and most um, international students, you know, who come from overseas don't and don't have local support networks and connections and can be way easier targets. And Michelle was targeted by someone closest to her. This crime is honestly shocking, sickening. My heart and condolences go out to Michelle's family. I pray that they are able to live the rest of their lives with some peace. Derek's family, to know that a monster like him came from them, they too must be devastated. Don't forget to check out Tomb Blast, guys. You can download it for free by clicking the link below in my description box, in the pinned comment, or scan the QR code. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below, and I will see you in next week's video. Besitos. Bye.